I have a love for you, Pastor, and I have a love for the body here. This story, I guess, started out about three years ago or so, four, I'm getting old, four years ago, and I can remember coming off the road one day, and we live at a place called Hebron Colony Ministries up in North Carolina, and there's been quite a few people from this community that have came down to Hebron. It's a 10-week program um, that does it so little justice. It's a 10-week program. It's a life changer that they instill the Word of God in you. And God's using it to save lives, men and women. Um, Grace Home in Hebron Colony is just people are coming from all over the country um, to try to find healing. And we'd come off the road, my wife and I, and there sat on the steps a kind of long-faced young man and named Michael Benz. And I remember we spoke to him. I think this was his second trip through Hebron. And both of the times that he went through Hebron, we happened to be home. So we've had the opportunity to sow into Michael. As he graduated and came back home, we had the privilege of continue sowing into his life. When he graduated, I went on the road for a year doing prisons because we're a national prison ministry. And the whole year I was on the road daily, daily, sometimes several times a day, my phone would ring and it'd be Michael Benz. He'd just be wanting to chat. And if y'all know, he can get right excited. And he can wear you out on that phone a little bit. But it thrilled my heart to hear from Michael every day. Even when it was sometimes you look at the phone and say, man, here it goes again. It blessed my heart because he was making an initiative to reach out to me because he wanted to know more about God's word. And today I stress to the older men in here that are grounded in your faith, look for a spiritual son. Look for one. If you're in your 30s, look for a spiritual son. Keep this discipleship thing going because not only is it biblical, I was thinking about some of the figures in the Bible, Elisha and Elijah, um, certainly Paul and Timothy, and how that model of discipleship is, is happening here. I stood in front of the mic um, the other day when we were doing a service and I saw Michael and I thought about my spiritual father, Dan Patton, who's a Vietnam vet. And right after I got saved, took me in his home. And I thought about Michael. And then I saw the, the lives that Michael and Casey had been able to sow into. And it really impressed upon me that God is truly working. I mean, it's not just lip service here. God is truly working in this community. And do you know how off the chain that is? I travel all over the country, and I don't feel the Spirit. I'm not here to judge churches. That's not what I do. But I just don't feel the Spirit in many of the churches that I feel here. And that's something that people can't do that only God can do. So, Pastor Adam, thank you for your diligence here, brother. And when I saw y'all last time, y'all were not like in the field and uh, didn't have any walls, kind of an open 
Yeah, I passed by it today and I came up here the other night and I'm like, man, God's taking care of them. So, but praise the Lord. Um, just real briefly, I'm not gonna go deep into my testimony. I will tell you this, um, for those that don't know who I am, I'm Bobby McGee and I'm director of Christ Song Ministries. We're a 501C that um, nationally into the prisons, soon to be international. Um, we're going into the, uh, Canada and to some of the prisons up there as well. But God, it seems like when COVID came, you know how many of the churches, I don't seem to see that here this morning, but many of the churches, people haven't come back. And it's kind of like that in prison ministry. Many of the prison ministers, the prisons have been closed for a couple years. So many of the prison ministers that were ministering are no longer coming back to the prisons. And so the chaplains are calling us because we've been in the prisons full time for 14 years, off and on since 97. I just want to share about a few things about my past. I did 22 years of my life on the inside. Um, I did 11 of those years here in Virginia. And I did 11 in North Carolina. I've been to most every prison in this state. And now I've been in most every prison in this state doing ministry. 130 plus felony convictions. Prison number after prison number. I wish I could forget these numbers. My last name's McGee. When I was 16 years old, I was at a youth prison and my number was M16. Then I had 110580S. Then I had 1311.93. Then I had 1561.25. Then I had 0269.204. Now I'm known as a man of God and a servant for our Most High King. After my second habitual felon indictment, they were pretty much, their attitude was lock him up, throw away the key, and I don't blame them. I wasn't innocent, I was guilty of my crimes. I was an IV drug user, um, very violent in my addiction, and I did a lot of time behind it. But in the winter of 89, things changed in my life. I had a live nativity scene just before Christmas, and I gave my heart to Christ, and how that looked was a little different because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't believe a virgin could have a child. I didn't believe a dead man could walk from the grave. Lazarus, I just didn't believe it. And so I rejected the gospel for a lot of years. But there was something inside me the day that I heard the scripture that if I would acknowledge Christ, if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that after three days he rose again, that I could be saved with my heart. I believed in the righteousness and with my mouth, confession was made into salvation. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's God's word, not Bobby's. But how I had to apply that to my life was quite different because I didn't believe it in my heart. 
Bible said I had to believe in my heart. It reiterated twice that it was with my heart I believed unto righteousness. And then with my mouth, confession was made unto salvation. Well, I studied that word confession, and it is a verb. It means to proclaim, proclamation. I didn't believe enough to make my mouth say something. The Bible said I needed to say something. Call means call. And this isn't my word. This is God's word. Look in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13, and you'll see it. But it didn't line up for me. How do you call upon something that you don't believe? Well, God made it clear that day that he said absolutely nothing about my brain believing this. My brain said, you ain't never going to amount to nothing. You're going to turn out just like your daddy. You're going to die in prison. You're an addict. You're always going to be an addict. That's what my brain told me. But my heart said something different. My heart said I was a sinner. You see, I just didn't want you telling me what I was. But I knew what I was. I'm the one that did the 22 years in prison. I knew what I was. So I acknowledge that before my God. I did my very best to have faith. Y'all want to hear my sinner's prayer? Dear Lord, I don't understand all this. But I know I'm a sinner. And if you could, please forgive me. And if you can come into me somehow and make me different from the man that I am, I'm sick of being who I am. Would you please save me? Folks, changed my life. I wasn't even expecting it to change my life. I told you I really didn't believe this. But see, it wasn't about me, it was about God. God promised me. And I had faith. See, I didn't have to have all the answers. I just had to have faith in the one who did have all the answers. And when I did that, things started to click. Today is 64 years old. I still need to remember that lesson, not to get in front of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33, and all else will be added to us. And sometimes it's hard for me to do that. But. So after all those years and all that past, I'm able to stand today. I just graduated Fruitland Baptist Bible College um, three weeks ago, a month ago. And one thing I learned, I'm way too old for college. <laughs> All these kids were around me, and I'm in their type, and I'm going. <laughs> but praise his name that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. So I praise him for that. I praise God for this model of discipleship I'm seeing. This isn't something that Christ's song per se has started in this community, though. We've been ministering in this community for quite some time. Many of the prisoners we minister to are going to be your neighbors. You ever thought about that? Man, come tell me some statistics about that. Um, I'm going to let my wife have this. You got a PowerPoint? Hello. <laughs> Um, she's going to tell y'all some more about what we're doing. We have this PowerPoint um, ready to go, but this morning was kind of a, 
intentional service. We had talked to Pastor Adam. And we're getting ready to go back into the prison. We start in January for a five-month tour, just kind of testing the waters. And one thing we did, just to be quite honest with you folks, when we came off the road, we had a budget. Since COVID, something's happened. We don't have the money to make it these five months on the road now. And we're good stewards. Everything has went up. Diesel fuel. I've got to take a diesel pusher. I've got an old coach, a 2003, that we've managed to keep alive. And the prisons don't have anybody to give them supplies anymore. They've cut all the money out. The chaplains are taking the chaplains' jobs. So it's on volunteers to bring in material, Bible studies, and we do this nationally. So we, we have to have a warehouse when we travel so we can take all this stuff into the prisons. And at 450 a gallon, and I get about eight miles a gallon when I'm pulling my van, y'all do the math. But we know this, the greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. The enemy cannot keep us from doing ministry as long as we'll seek first. Me and Mike are called 633 in that thing. Matthew 6.33. We'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll add everything else we need. Amen. So, now you want to take off? That it's been our experience that God never gives a person a job to do without providing for that. He always does. It may not look exactly like you think it's going to look, but he always makes a way if he's given you a purpose. So I prepared a little bit of a PowerPoint, and some of it's working, some of it's not because of the, the but God is good, okay? So we're going to make it do. Um, and I'm going to turn, I'm, let's see. Could you kill this just for a sec? Okay, <clears throat> just so I can see what I'm talking about here. <clears throat> Go ahead with the uh, next slide. There we are. Okay, on your left, uh, you see Bobby and I. That was taken in about 1993 in Keene Mountain Correctional in Oakland, Virginia, I think. Uh, he did seven sentences. 11 years in Virginia, 11 in North Carolina. And on the right, you see us, the changed, the five, uh, 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The guy on the left does not exist anymore. Okay. We have been so far to 43 states in the last, uh, well, since 2010 is when we went full time. Prior to that, we had been doing kind of part-time ministry from 97 to 2010. We both had full-time jobs and went on weekends and, and vacation time. We uh, have, we average about 125 prisons a year pre-COVID and minister to about 10,000 over the years. Bobby mentioned that neighbors, 
your neighbors could be ex-people we've ministered to in prison. 96% of people who are in prison will get out. And wouldn't you prefer that while they were there, the Lord has changed their life? And when they get changed, the ripple effect is their family gets changed and their children get changed. And the chain of incarceration, which says that 76% of the children of the incarcerated will follow them into prison, gets broken because Jesus does break those chains. Okay, thank you. Uh, Bobby is a singer-songwriter. We have four CDs out working on number five. He has written all of the music and lyrics, so you won't recognize any of our songs unless you've been following us. But they tell his story. So when he sings these songs in prison, they hear his story. And we donate a set to every prison we go into, and you can imagine the cost of that, okay? Okay, so COVID hit, what now? What are we gonna do? We're a prison ministry and we can't go into prisons. In two, March of 220, we were in Florida and we had 36 more prisons on that 11 month tour and they said, go home, you can't come in. And we had no clue what to do. So we started making videos and send, making DVDs and sending those into the prisons because the men and women had no services. And then we began something called Damage Done. Damage Done is our new push into the prisons. But we have found that it's not just for prisoners. Everybody can be healed through this pro new program we're working on. It's basically Bobby's story, but it goes so much deeper. Okay? Um, that talks about damage done. Go ahead. And this was supposed to be a sneak pre preview, but the sound doesn't work, so we're not going to show that. Go ahead. We partnered with a man named Father My Nigel Mumford, who has a program called the Welcome Home Initiative, where he works with veterans, combat vets, with PTSD. And through Christ and through biblical teachings, he helps them heal. Well, Father Mumford was introduced to us, and Bobby has been working with him to help him with his PTSD from being in prison. And there are so many issues and things that he has seen and things that have happened to him in the prisons that he does indeed have PTSD. So Father Mumford has very generously offered all of his materials, his expertise, his wisdom, and he's in our videos offering ways to heal from past, we call it trauma-related stress, okay? We are working with uh, Burl Kane in the Prison Seminary Foundation, and he is planting seminaries inside of prisons. And men and women are going, coming out with degrees in divinity. Go ahead. We are praying. And God gave us a vision a long time ago.
for planting a training ground where we can teach others to do what we do. Go ahead. If a ministry dies when you do, it wasn't a ministry, it was a hobby. When that was said to me, it cut me to the bone. We do not want this ministry to die when we do. We want to train others, preferably those that have been inside, that can share their testimony. Pastor Adam, if you went into prison and shared your heart and the Lord, they would hear you and they would appreciate your coming. But when Bobby talks to him, they relate to him. They know, they know by his tattoos that he's been there and done that and has experienced what they've experienced. And they, they hear him, but they listen to him. So we are praying for a way. And as I said, as I started this thing, when God gives you a vision to do something, he provides a way to do it. We don't have the means to build this place, but we know that God has a way and we're just gonna keep praying. So if you would, please be praying with us for that, okay? And these are our prayer needs. We need new and continued support. As Bobby mentioned, our, chap, our budget, is it doesn't look like it's gonna work. We're gonna go anyway, but it doesn't look like it's gonna work. So what we are doing right now is going to churches and asking you to prayerfully consider us as missionaries as you consider supporting new missions. Please prayerfully consider us. We need monthly support that we can count on for our budget. So just think about that. Pray about it as a church. Uh, please pray for the incarcerated they, if you think your COVID years have been rough, they've had no services, no visits. Some prisons, especially Virginia, the chapels, chaplains have just been allowed to go back inside. So they have been isolated. And just pray for us for strength and guidance and good health to keep going to do what God's called us to do. I have not found the word retire in the Bible yet. So he's, he's got us keep going. And until we can't, we will. All right. Thank you. had a 13-year-old youth. We do ministry in Columbia, South Carolina at a place called Midlands. And moms, the youngest child that I was able to minister to who was already in prison was eight years old. And about 16, they phased out of Midlands. And they're mainly inner city. Um, they're both white and black and Mexican. It's not a color thing. Um, 
But the first things I hear when I walk in there is, look, that guy's got tattoos. And it's not long that they ask me, where did you get those tattoos? And I'm able to say, when I was your age, I sit where you, I sat where you're sitting. Oh, you were locked up? I said, yeah, I started at 13 and ended up with 22 years of my life. So God be the glory. If he can use this junk on my arms to bring any kind of enlightenment or help somebody open up to the seeds of God's word as much as they embarrass me. Do you imagine how it feels to lay my hand around my wife in church and to know you're looking at that? That's hard. I wish it wasn't on there. But I ain't always been saved. So glory to God that he brings all those things together for good. And if we just follow his plan, what a glorious Lord we serve. Today, about how God recycles us. He would not have chosen for Bobby to spend all that time in prison or to make the choices that put him there. He would not have chosen some of the things that you are going through right now. But he can use them. He can use them for his glory and to spread the kingdom. I'm not going to play but a couple of songs, but one song I want to play, and if you know me, you've heard it. And it's, I guess, a testimony song, for lack of better words, it's called All I Needed. And we've watched this song in the prisons um, be one of the songs that kind of softens hard hearts. And I think any singer or songwriter or entertainer or whatever that gets up here, should have one purpose in mind, and that's to be used by the Holy Spirit to facilitate the Word of God that's getting ready to come. And it's proper context, that's the way it should be. So when I played this song, I think it opens up some hearts and ears. In fact, I've had so many people tell me, man, Bobby, I could have wrote that. I've been running all my life All I'd found was sorrow and strife Wondering if there'd be a better day I know I've made some wrong turns And late at night the tears they burn And it, it hurts more than I can say so I, I turn to the pills for the answer And in a bottle I only found insanity What I needed all along was a Savior To set me free set me free Well even now I'm hearing his call The 
one who picks me up when I fall and Lord knows that I need you The prison walls that held me in It's hard to even find a friend And I'm tired of the way I've been living You know it's true But still I'd turn to the pills for the answer And in a bottle I only found insanity What I needed all along was a savior To set me free Please set me free Now listen I'm gonna make a decision now Accepting Christ is what it's about And I'm I reckon the time is at hand So dear Lord, please walk with me Through all my life and eternity And help me, Lord, to make a stand And never let go of your hand and I'm, I turned away from the bills for the answer And the liquor that drove me insane I called upon the grace of my Savior His mercy and His love will fall down like rain. If you've been running all your lives, all you found's been sorrow and strife. Well, let me tell you, people, there's a better way. thank God that he saved my life and not just the 22 years but the years of addiction um, led me to seven overdoses and what that looked like was flopping in the floor and grandma seizures and I realized today that the enemy's trying to kill me but that's his job and now his job is to rob me of my testimony. And now his job is to try to divide a wedge, put a wedge in between me and my wife. He has no power over us that we don't relinquish to him. You can't fight him in your own strength. I'm a man and I can be prideful. I can get my temper up and think I can really handle something. Truth of the matter is, 
I can't walk a step without my Savior. I tried every time I tried to live without him, I ended up in prison or strung out on drugs. Today, I have got to stay behind the cross, not in front of God. It's not about my best intentions. It's about God's word and obedience to it. And those have been tough lessons because our flesh wants us to think otherwise. My flesh wants me to say, you just graduated Bible college. Go find your church with a parsonage. You get your paycheck and have insurance for the first time in your life. But my word and my God tells me to go, therefore, and to preach this gospel and to continue this lineage that we're seeing. And that's where my spirit fires up at right there so I know that's God's will for my life. I mean, shouldn't that be enough of a, a motivator for us just because God said so? God said, trust him. First Peter 5, 7, cast your care upon him. Some of your versions, cast your anxiety upon him, which is to find fear of the unknown. When you don't know what to do, cast your care upon him. How many times do we try to handle it ourselves? Me included. And he's God. He made the stars. Isn't it kind of disrespectful not to cast our care on him? If you're saved today, you're covering his son's blood that he sent for you. Don't it make sense that, that we need to seek him first? Don't it make sense that we need to cast our cares upon him and realize that we don't have to have all this figured out? take so much pressure off of us men you don't have to figure this stuff out just be obedient to God's word and God will take care of the rest of it how do I know that I'm 64 and I quit my job when I was 50 and I mentioned not having insurance well I went deaf in the last 14 years so I've got hearing aids in my ears today that God provided we're on community health care What's the name of it? Community Care Clinic. Community Care Clinic. A little Christian clinic up there in the mountains, and they, we love them to death. They've helped me so much. My hip, if y'all remember, maybe last times I've been here, if you saw me, I was limping. I limped for 10 years. And I finally come off the road, and I couldn't walk no more. And the lady said, you're tired, aren't you? What did she say? You're tired. No, she said, you've had enough, hadn't you? Mm. I said, yes, ma'am, I have. And within 30 days, I got a new hip that we don't have to pay anything for. Nobody charged us. I had hepatitis C and B from shooting drugs. Didn't have the money to have $1,000 a day. They wanted me on Harboni, $1,000 a pill. And they wanted me on it for six months. That's $180,000. When they said that, I pretty much said, well, baby, let's go do ministry. And the drug company called me. We were in Chipley, Florida, doing prisons in Florida. And they said, we're going to start sending you a month's supply at a time. And they were sending me $30,000 worth of drugs through UPS, the Harvoni for your hepatitis. 
in an envelope. And I was thinking, man, I was in the wrong business. <laughs> They're making all this money off me. But God provided that $180,000. And I no longer have hepatitis. Well, I'm getting real excited. No, but wrap it up. He literally right. could go all day if you let him, guys. I want to end my part of this. My daddy was a Korean War vet and a World War II war vet. He was a medic in both wars. And he came back damaged. But I was his only son, so he'd take me riding. Him and my mom would argue something. Come on, boy. We jump in these old Corvair. I don't know if you know what a Corvair is or not. We drive in mountain roads up there in North Carolina line, Tennessee line. I just want to sing you just a couple of lines from a couple of songs that me and my daddy used to sing when he was riding in the mountains getting drunk. That's terrible. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross Then he'd sing this old song. I used to, we used to harmonize when he'd sing this. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on. Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joys we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Amen. Thank you, God. Thanks, Bobby. I got a question for you to share something real quick. No heart, man. Let me ask you something. Take, take a seat for a moment. I got a question that I want to ask him to share for us. Uh, if In our community, in our church family as well, but definitely within our community, a lot of the themes that you shared, I just, I see it. I see it everywhere. In the families, um, in several of our families, loved ones, neighbors. And we're talking from drunkenness to misuse of drugs, right? Addiction with illegal drugs and prescription drugs. Definitely pornography addictions. You've got guys who are combat vets who deal with post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. and children and families who mm -hmm. 
are in, up, impacted by that, right? And that's in our church family as well as definitely within the community. And as I think about that, I'm reminded of Psalm 96.1. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And what you've been able to do is, is a new song, you know? What a wonderful testament as opposed to the old song. Uh, do you have a word of encouragement or, um, or uh, just uh, an exhortation to, to those in our church family who are, who have a loved one who is dealing with some of that stuff. You got even those who've been incarcerated in their homes and everything. Sure. Um, it may run a little deep because I'm gonna trust God, but a lot of times in families where there's addiction, there's a generational curse involved. And so it takes parents to be real about their life and about their dirt. And sometimes it ain't all about the kids. And see, in a community, the Bible tells us to confess our faults one to another. But just being real, how frequently do we do that? When's the last time, men, that you picked up a phone and said, brother, called another man. I'm struggling with pornography on my internet site. And so many men are men of faith included. You wouldn't believe the pastors that I counsel that deal with that. Because Satan's alive, he's trying to kill the church. The best way that I can tell you to deal with this is to bring it into the light. Don't stuff this stuff, don't hide it. You're not better than anybody else. We're all sinners, hopefully saved by grace. So we can, if we focus on our differences and keep all these things stuffed and focus on all, it pushes us away from each other. But when we start bringing this stuff to the light, it brings us together because we're all going through these struggles. Look at this church family. I'm telling you, I'm going to a lot of churches, folks, and I see a healthy, thriving body of Christ here. Man, if y'all would plug in each other's lives and be real with what's happening and be real and honest with your own stuff and be real in these prayers that's going on. And the community is already changing. Look what the gospel's doing up here already. Get me excited. Stay the course. Really focus on being transparent with each other. You know, focus on humbling yourselves, man. Humbling yourself before your brother and before your wife. What I'm preaching to myself here now, I need to humble myself before you. That's what God would have me do. And I run somebody out of the parking lot yesterday. Look at me, talking about being humble. See, we can love and love well. And we could shepherd and shepherd well. Sometimes a shepherd has to pick up the staff. I mean, there's times and occasions when a shepherd's got to pick up the staff and drive away the wolves. And if we get comfortable with allowing wolves in our body because of their paycheck or because of their bankroll or any other influence they may have, we allow wolves in here, they start devouring sheep. 
And when that happens, read your little book of Jude. One chapter, and you'll see the effects of that. Encouragement. Look, I feel the Spirit of God here. If I didn't feel that, I'd say I didn't, wouldn't I? But I feel the Spirit of my God here. There's power in that. Not our power, but his. He chooses to do well amongst us. Pastor, there's a little book by Chan, Francis Chan, called Not the Forgotten God. Yeah, the Forgotten God. Yes. And it's about how we have not intentionally but it took the Holy Spirit and kind of put it in line last. Like there's God, there's Jesus, and then there's the Holy Spirit. Well, it's not like that. The Holy Spirit is as much God as God is. And if we can recognize and call more upon the Holy Spirit, if Jesus said, I've got to go, it's better for you if I go. And this is Jesus. What do you mean it's better? Don't go. It's better for you if I go because that way I can send the comforter. And that's what's active and alive in bringing us together and keeping these churches together and keeping us on the same page as the Holy Spirit's alive within us. So I just focus more and more on that. Focus on our, uh, the common or similarities instead of our differences. And that's where the church grows. All right. That's, that's good. I'll, uh, I know you sat down. I was going to have you just do one more thing. Do you mind coming back up for a second? All right. <laughs> um, as we wrap up here, um, I want to I do two things. Um, for those of you who have been, who are participating in Restore, on a regular basis. Would you stand up for a second? I want you guys to see just the, uh, the power and the impact. It's been a wonderful place for us. And then uh, while you guys, you guys stay standing because this involves you and your family members, um, but for everyone else here, if you'd say, listen, I've been in, I have family members or even yourself, but family members or friends, neighbors, people I'm really close with, and they are, they are in a season where they are being um, enslaved by addiction. We're talking any of the ones we've already mentioned. Uh, if, you, if you would stand, I want Bobby to pray, pray for those people in our lives and to ask the Lord to break those chains. So would you take that moment, just like stand right here. There's um, all sorts that's going on in our community, in our town, in our family members. And the, the other one I thought of was uh, children who are wayward, you know, who just run. You mentioned that one of your songs too, that first song there. And so uh, would, you, would you pray over that? I know that you can, yeah. All right, that'd be great. I want to tell you all that I respect the fact that you're, um, you're willing to stand to your feet in front of other people because that shows me that you have a, I don't know, a desire to maybe see things different. That you have a little bit of faith that maybe God can change this. So let me reassure you from the start. I was the chief of the addicts. 
Let me show you the scars on my arms. I don't do drugs no more. I haven't had a, something in my arm for years and years and years. I ain't had a liquor bottle touch my lips. So I smell it, it fires me up. It's me mad. But y'all be encouraged. God reached down in a deep, dark place and got me. 22 years, my family had been gave up on me. But God himself, because he loved me, reached down in that pit and saved me. So have that encouragement. It's not over till it's over. You hear me? God's a powerful God. Not willing that any should perish, but also come to repentance. So let's bow this for a minute. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we acknowledge that you are King of kings and that you are Lord of lords. There's no God before you. There'll certainly not be one after you. And God, we call upon you today. Lord, you see the shape of our world. I can feel these mama's prayers all the way from here, Lord. And God, if I feel them, certainly you do. And Lord, I'm feeling pain. If I feel it, God, you do. So would you be merciful today and reach down and soothe the broken heart where there's hopelessness, would you reinstill faith? Where there's darkness, we pray for light. And your will for our lives is that we don't perish, but we do come to know you. So I pray that you continue to send laborers in these family members' hearts, that you send them right to their face, Lord. Let them hear the gospel of Christ. Just annoy them with it, Lord. You tell us in your word that the effective and fervent prayer of the righteous avail much. So we come to you as a group of God's children, your children, Lord, and ask you to please help us where we can't help ourselves. We ask you to please intervene for our loved ones. I pray for the family that has a generational curse that have never told anybody because they're too embarrassed. I pray freedom for that family today. I pray freedom for the man that's holding some secrets inside because he's too embarrassed to tell anybody that you'd help him find another man to share that with, to get that burden off of him, bring it into the light, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God over hard decisions. And I encourage this church to relinquish their control, to humble themselves under your spirit and to trust in you that we truly can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.